Good evening, my brothers and sisters, and a happy Holy Week to us all. This week, the church uh, invites all of us um, on a journey with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a journey to the cross. And so tonight, I thought we would reflect a little bit about Holy Week and the events of today, and maybe just come up with some a handful of reflections um, to carry with us throughout this week. You know, in the early church, those who wished to join the faith, the catechumens, they were taught the words of the creed on Palm Sunday today. They were handed those words to prepare themselves to be baptized a week later. And we know that the words of the creed, and as we pray, we end with, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age. And so this is the goal of Holy Week, and it's actually the goal of our Christian life. So during Holy Week, we come to church to remember and to encounter uh, God's work, and particularly in salvation and how to respond to it in our lives. So we gather this week not only to remember, but to celebrate certain rituals, excuse me, very, very important rituals. And... It's exciting to see a lot of young people here tonight because our church, our Coptic church, is very rich in hymnology and tradition, particularly during this week. And we know that um, this is our way of accessing this spiritual reality of Christ's work for our salvation. Today we celebrated Christ's entry into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and the children were waving palms, and palms are a sign of victory. And they were singing that notable hymn, If Logimenos, or Blessed is He, Hosanna in the Highest, Hosanna to the Son of David, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna to the King of Israel, Alleluia. Such a beautiful tradition for our church uh, invites us to participate, invites us to come together. And as you can see, that we shouldn't rush through these I assure you that this week will come and go. In very few days, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. It'll happen. The question is, how do we want to spend this time? Just let it pass, come together, sing, go home? Or is there something more that our church is inviting us to do this week? Um, So tonight, we begin with something very special. Tonight, the eve of Monday, which we just prayed, until the eve of Great Thursday, we enter a time of tradition that's very unique to our Coptic Church. So the Coptic Church services during this particular time is a little different from other Christian traditions in that we, as you can tell, we detach ourselves from the usual liturgical experiences that we see in the altar. So, and we are focusing on meditating on Scripture, and continuous prayer. So you don't see the priests and the deacons donning the white vestments and standing at the altar or raising incense or using different instruments. Instead, we're all out here together on equal setting. And this is very important because we can meditate on vast amount of scripture that we're going to do in the next few days. The tradition, this tradition, our Coptic church tradition of meditating on scripture and continuous prayer reminds us of the early century monks that St. John Cassian was talking about, that that there's this tradition that 
um, they're getting together that draws everyone in. And this is happening now for us to celebrate beginning tonight. So there was a custom in early Christianity, and um, many of us know this, of a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this pilgrimage happened during Holy Week. People would want to go to Jerusalem to go to the places where our Lord Jesus Christ was and to go through the days and the events in those places to, to um, celebrate them. Now, for a variety of restrictions over the centuries due to persecution or politics, this has been restricted. But the idea of longing to relive the people, the places, and the events, this reliving of the events, is really deep in our tradition. And we began it today in Palm Sunday. And um, so we can look at, together at the scripture of some of these times, but I want us to do it through a lens of salvation. And we can reflect together on what Christ is doing for us for our salvation. The Gospel according to St. Luke tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ during Holy Week was teaching in the temple in Jerusalem in the daytime, and at night he would go to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, about two miles away. So during Holy Week, we want to reflect on our Lord's events. This is something that's very important for us uh, to understand that these events took place at the time of the Passover, the, the, one of the biggest of the Jewish uh, traditional holidays, uh, celebrations. And so there were thousands of people that came to Jerusalem at that time to celebrate Passover. And, um, and we can look at some of the things that happened in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ through the lens of the Old Testament prophecies. So it's beneficial to sort of reflect today because today was a very emotional day. It really was. We arrived here at church this morning. We were excited. We were dressed up. We had palms in our hands. And then tonight, everything is darker and we're mourning. And this change, this emotional change is very purposeful in our church. And you can even look at what happened to the crowds of that time they had mixed emotions as well, right? This is the crowd in Jerusalem who praised him today as the king, as the king of Israel. This is the, the first time in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ that he was praised as the king. And these are the same people that later in the week will be yelling, crucify him. And so this emotional, um, I would say this emotional excitement in the crowd it's something that we ourselves are feeling as we're trying to go through some of these same events. And so how can we join him on this journey toward the cross to save us not from the Romans like the people in Jerusalem thought they were praising him for, but from the bondage of our sin? So just going very quickly through some of the daytime um, hours, so earlier today in the ninth hour, we heard our Lord enters Jerusalem, and it says in the Gospel of Matthew that the whole city was moved, asking, who is this? And then Jesus went into the temple and drove out those who sold, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who sold doves. So as you know, that many of the people came from other lands to Jerusalem during Passover, 
And then there were merchants who knew that they wanted to offer sacrifices, so they would sell. But they wouldn't sell out in the streets. They would do it in the temple. And the money changers, they would take the foreign currency and change it over, and they would often take something for themselves. This is not uh, what is supposed to happen in the house of God. And so, why, Lord, I ask, you know, why did you do that? And he answers, my house is a house of prayer, but you've made it into a den of thieves. And so he purges and he clears out the temple, the temple in Jerusalem. He clears out my heart. He's starting to show us what's going to happen this week. And then we see a different side of our Lord at that same event. So he clears out the temple of the people that are not supposed to do something, but what does our kind and loving Lord do then? He heals. He heals. And he serves. The blind and the lame come to him. And when the Jewish leaders saw the wonderful things that he did and that the little children were singing his praises, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what they're saying? Do you hear what they're calling you? And he answered with a spiritual prophecy, right? Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Again, we start seeing here in a very real way our Lord referring to the prophecies about himself. And so this is again part of our tradition to review many of these. In the 11th hour earlier today in the daytime, we read an interesting account in the gospel according to St. Matthew of the mother of St. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, right? Kneeling down before our Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to grant her two sons that they may sit one on her right hand and the other on his left hand in the kingdom. This is very much what people were used to. Kings giving position to people they know. And our Lord says something very different. He clarifies that his kingdom is different. His kingdom is earned, and it's earned by sacrifice, by service, by love. It's not about just knowing the king. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, our Lord says, but to serve and give his life ransom for many. So he reminds us today of what he came for, what lies ahead for him, the sacrifice of his life as a ransom for ours. Which brings us to the eve of Monday tonight. As we heard tonight, the theme is about preparation, right? Preparation for his sufferings in the last days or what we all heard for the last five hours. Our Lord is preparing his disciples for the passion, his crucifixion and his resurrection. We heard in the first hour the story of Greek men that came to ask the disciples if they can meet Jesus. And this is when Christ begins to prepare them for his death. He speaks to them of the grain of wheat that died in the ground, right? He mentions then being lifted up from the earth on the cross and withdrawing from the people to himself. He signals to the people the hour has come when the Son of Man will be glorified. And he speaks about glorification by death on the cross and the ultimate sacrifice of his life-giving death. Then he says, believe in the light while you have the light. Lord, we are sitting in the darkness of our sins. 
Raise us to that place where you've always wanted us to be. These are the feelings that we start to have as we sit and we read and contemplate about these very, very important scriptures that we are reading tonight. In the third hour, the prophecy is preparing us for the day of judgment. And in the gospel reading, our Lord, after praying, teaches his disciples about what will happen to him. And he asks them some very important questions. And what are those questions? Who do people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? That is truly the central question. Who do you, mine, say that I am? And it's not only a central question for tonight or Holy Week, it's really the central question of our entire life as Christians here on earth. So who is Jesus Christ to me? Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of God who came to the world to save us. And he tells them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by who? The Jewish elders, the chief priests and scribes, and to be killed and raised the third day. How do the, how do Christ's inner circle feel about what he's saying? They're sad. They're angry. And we'll read what happens to one of them, Peter, who is angry at what he's hearing will happen to his master. In the sixth hour, the prophecy is about becoming sober and mournful. And the grain and the drink offering are being cut off and withheld from the house of the Lord. In the gospel, according to St. Mark, the Lord again warns his disciples to what? To prepare for the coming events and begins to tell them the things that are going to happen to him again by the Jewish chief priests, how they'll deliver him. But he then, it says here in the gospel according to St. Mark, he describes more than just the death. He describes being mocked, being scourged, being spit upon, and then being killed. But on the third day, he rises again. And then we ask, Lord, this is the beginning of Holy Week journey for me. And I know what's going to happen. I've been here before. This isn't new to me. Yet, it still hurts to hear it. It still hurts to know what's going to happen to our Lord. I know the price that you paid for me, that you saved me from slavery, from sin. So I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to, I know what's going to happen, but I don't want to run away. I want to make this a really special week where I walk with you. And I want to be vigilant and awake and prayerful this whole week. I'm going to make it different than every other year that I've gone through Holy Week until the day of your resurrection. In the ninth and 11th hour, we read from the gospel according to St. Mark and St. Matthew that our Lord was teaching his disciples about fasting and prayer and faith that can move mountains. Then he teaches that the Son of Man, again, must suffer many things. The disciples here start to react. And Peter took our Lord aside and began to rebuke him. How can you say this? And then in front of the disciples, Jesus rebukes Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, who loved him, and it was revealed to Peter by the Father that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, he said, you're the Christ. 
He chooses then to rebuke our Lord to not go through this passion and death. And our Lord then calls him what? He calls him the ad adversary, right? Get behind me. He rebukes him for not following him in this difficult path. And my Lord rebukes me to prepare me for what I'm going to witness this week. Because it's not for the faint of heart. This week is not for us to just casually walk through and show up at six o'clock at night and say a few hymns. This week is tough. And our Lord is preparing me for this week because he knows what I feel inside this week. He knows that. He knows how I've entered this week. He knows I'm not ready. He knows I'm not at the point where he needs me to be, where he needs to cleanse me. So then we come to the first of our points of contemplation tonight. What type of life am I leading? And who am I following? The sin in me will block me from receiving that work of the Holy Spirit this week. So my actions or my inactions are going to prevent me from getting blessings this week. So I need to acknowledge what I'm doing wrong up front. We call that repentance and the blessed gift, the blessed gift that our church gives us of confession. So when we repent and are repulsed by our sin and replacing that sin with something good so that I don't go back to it again, that needs to happen this week. For me, if there's someone that I've wronged, I need to make up with them this week. I must do that. We need to love others, even our enemies. I can't hold a grudge and walk into the Holy Week. If someone comes to my mind that I've hurt, I need to fix that this week. The second point of contemplation tonight in the gospel, the first hour from John chapter 12, verse 24, our Lord compares the cross, his dying on the cross, to the grain of wheat that dies in the ground. Now, this can apply to me. How? Father Matthew DePore in his sermon on the grain of wheat describes this concept of the self. And the self is in battle between the body and the spirit. And we're called to make the self lean more towards the spirit and away from the body, away from the physical life, away from our ego, Father Matthew tells us, in order to obtain life. So this dying, this dying of what he called the old man, the old us, the dying of the old man is so important each day. So he writes, or he, he, he said, the self comes between the body and the soul. St. Isaac said, it is either united with the body and takes its part against the spirit or united with the spirit and works against the body. The soul can be either spiritual or physical. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to prevent you from doing what you would. He goes on and says, God requires us <clears throat> to make the self lean toward the spirit so that we may have eternal life. 
he goes on and warns of living a double life, of resisting the full work of the Holy Spirit in my life to get rid of the old man because that's my nature. I feel like I want to be leaning toward the Spirit, but the old man just has me, grabs me. And how can I try to not live this double life? Clinging to the old man, Father Matthew says, with all the deeds done under the cover of darkness cannot remain hidden. It will be made clear in your attitude whether you wish it or not. Hence, you will be feeding your spirit on dishonest fare, unacceptable to God's children. Others will discover it for a while, and because of you, they will be caused to stumble and die. Others will be caused to stumble because of me. You will then feel God's wrath inflicted upon you. Woe to the man by whom the temptation comes. Do not be, spirit, do not be half spiritual or half alive or half worn or God will spit you out. Do not mix God's cup with the devil's cup. God's cup is life according to the spirit and the devil's cup is life according to the flesh. If you wish to be totally rid of your old self, surrender once and for all to the Holy Spirit so you can live in the light and shun the cast away the deeds of darkness. And he says, as with a sharp knife, cut out the habits of the old man. A sharp knife. All its possessions, all its moods, its obsessions, do not have mercy on whoever seeks to destroy your spirit and imprison you forever in the darkness of death. Do not take pity on the old man because he will not have pity on you. My old man will never have pity on me. He will always try to pull me away from the spirit. Abuna Matan Maskin goes on to say, if the old man overcomes you, which happens all the time, use the following method. Some wicked people, he goes on and tells a story, some wicked people from the church of the resurrection at the time of St. Pachomius seized it, they seized the church, and started their own unrighteous worship and adulterous practices. So the priests of the church asked for St. Pachomius' help. So he sent him some of those pilgrim spirits who have the power to enter close places without being visible. And they went up to the altar with the holy oblations, and at once they began a liturgy. So you can imagine that scene, right? There are people practicing very bad things in the church. The priest is, doesn't know what to do. He cries out to St. Pachomios, who then prays, and the spirits come, and they begin a liturgy. Thereupon, the wicked invaders were shocked and fled in great fear, abandoning the church to its priest. Therefore, if the devil begins to control your old body, make it an altar for his filthiness and sin and imprisoning the spirit within you, you must resort to that deeply fervent prayer which is like those invisible saintly spirits. Prayer will enter your spirit and refresh it, and your spirit will start offering up that pure inner oblation. That will be your offering of prayer, tears, repentance, and supplication to God. Through this, the spirit is strengthened and refreshed so you can bring pressure on the old body. The spirit will overcome the body's activity and capture its lust and imprison it. Continue in constant prayer, day and night, persevering in it 
until the church of Christ's resurrection is released in your life. This struggle doesn't end. It is going to last. The old man and the spirit. And so we prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves for that. This sermon by Father Matthew DePour, if anyone wants to read it, is very deep, as many of his sermons are, and it's full of great words of wisdom, but it's hard to read. It's hard to read, but it's good reading at the start of Holy Week. I'm warning you that you will feel very convicted. You'll be feeling very convicted when you read and how much these things apply to our life today, not just in a monastery of St. Macarius in Egypt. So the final point of contemplation tonight is about weeping. The scripture describes a few times when our Lord weeps. He wept when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead. As he's entering Jerusalem, this great city that's bustling with activity for the feast of the Passover, full of people from all over the world, the gospel says Christ weeps over Jerusalem today as he was about to enter it. He weeps over it because he knew what's going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to her if she didn't listen and miss this opportunity, this opportunity of what's about to take place this week. So our Messiah is here. Jerusalem is his bride. She is my heart, and my Lord is weeping over me as he enters Jerusalem. The church fathers describe the people that were there uh, as the Lord is entering, riding on a donkey's colt in that scene as three types of people. So you had those who watched from far away, our Lord riding on a donkey, and they watched. The chief priests, the scribes, they watched him from far away. Then you had those who were filled with emotion because they saw the crowd and they grabbed some palms, some palms off the trees, and they started waving them. And this emotion was for the moment only. It didn't really take a lot of effort from them. Then there's the third, the third group who did something great they took the shirts off their backs and laid it on the ground. They did something more than watch or just be emotional like the others. Those people, those people who can imagine taking your shirt off and then falling down on the ground to put the shirt down on the ground. You're falling down on your face as the king is coming. What a, what a, what a testimony to giving to him. And so will I make an effort this week, a real effort to be cleansed by my Savior, to weep for my sins? Am I going to join him this week when he teaches? You see, our Lord says while the sinful woman washed our Savior's feet with tears, he asked the same questions to Simon the Pharisee. He said, do you see this woman? Tony, do you see this woman? Have you kissed my feet? Have you washed them with your tears? The gift of tears is very powerful. Or 
will I be like Peter, who without a word, but just a look at Caiaphas's house, just our Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter wept. Will I allow him to cleanse me and be like Peter, feeling exposed of my sins so much by someone so pure that I say, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to end with an excerpt from a beautiful book, uh, Jesus, A Dialogue with the Savior. It's uh, by a monk of the Eastern Church, and he describes weeping. He says, Lord Jesus, I should like to weep at your feet, but I have no tears. My eyes are dry, and so is my heart. It has become difficult for me to weep. Too many years have passed. Where are the tears of my youth? Lord, they, are, they were not for you. But give me this day the ability to weep because of you with my youthful tears. Strike the rock and make the salty living springs of tears burst forth. Baptize me in the humility of worthwhile tears. May the Lord give us this precious gift of tears this week, that we may join him in this journey to the cross as a grain of wheat that dies to the old man and rises with him to the new. To him be the power, glory, blessings, and majesty forever.